Protestations Prologue Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 Of the Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila This is a Discerning Arts recording read by Chris McGregor The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce Protestations In all that I shall say in this book, I submit to what is taught by our mother, the Holy Roman Church. If there is anything in it contrary to this, it will be without my knowledge. Therefore, for the love of our Lord, I beg the learned men who are to revise it to look at it very carefully, and to amend any faults of this nature which there may be in it, and the many others of which it will have other kinds. If there is anything good in it, let it be to the glory and honor of God, and in the service of his most sacred mother, our patroness and lady, whose habit, though unworthily, I wear. Prologue the sisters of this convent of St. Joseph, knowing that I have had leave from Father Prestandando Fra Domenico Banez of the Order of the Glorious St. Dominic, who at present is my confessor, to write certain things about prayer, which it seems I may be able to succeed in doing since I have had to do with many holy and spiritual persons, have, out of their great love for me, so earnestly begged me to say something to them about this that I have resolved to obey them. I realize that the great love which they have for me may render the imperfection and the poverty of my style in what I shall say to them more acceptable than other books which are very ably written by those who have known what they are writing about. I rely upon their prayers, by means of which the Lord may be pleased to enable me to say something concerning the way and method of life which it is fitting should be practiced in this house. If I do not succeed in doing this, Father Presentado, who will first read what I have written, will either put it right or burn it, so that I shall have lost nothing by obeying these servants of God, and they shall see how useless I am when His Majesty does not help me. My intent is to suggest a few remedies for a number of small temptations which come from the devil, and which, because they are so slight, are apt to pass unnoticed. I shall also write of other things, according as the Lord reveals them to me, as they come to my mind. Since I do not know what I am going to say, I cannot set it down in suitable order, and I think it is better for me not to do so, for it is quite unsuitable that I should be writing in this way at all. May the Lord lay his hand on all that I do, so that it may be in accordance with his holy will. This is always my desire, although my actions may be as imperfect as I myself am. I know that I am lacking neither in love nor in desire to do all I can to help the souls of my sisters to make great progress in the service of the Lord. It may be that this love, together with my years and the experience which I have of a number of convents, will make me more successful in writing about small matters than learned men can be. For these being themselves strong in handing on other and more important occupations, do not always pay heed to such things which in themselves seem of no importance, but 
which may do great harm to persons as weak as we women are. For the snares laid by the devil for strictly cloistered nuns are numerous, and he finds that he needs new weapons if he is to do them harm. I, being a wicked woman, have defended myself but ill, and so I should like my sisters to take warning by me. I shall speak of nothing of which I have no experience, either in my own life or in the observation of others, or which the Lord has not taught me in prayer. A few days ago I was commanded to write an account of my life, in which I also dealt with certain matters concerning prayer. It may be that my confessor will not wish you to see this, for which reason I shall set down here some of the things which I said in that book, and others which also seem to me necessary. May the Lord direct this, as I have begged him to do, and order it for his greater glory. Amen. Chapter 1 When this convent was originally founded, for the reasons set down in the book which, as I say, I have already written, and also because of certain wonderful revelations by which the Lord showed me how well he would be served in this house, it was not my intention that there should be so much austerity in external matters, nor that it should have no regular income. On the contrary, I should have liked that there to be no possibility of want. I acted, in short, like the weak and wretched woman that I am, although I did so with great intentions and not out of consideration for my own comfort. At about this time, there came to my notice the harm and havoc that were being wrought in France by these Lutherans, and the way in which their unhappy sect was increasing. This troubled me very much. And as though I could do anything or be of any help in this matter, I wept before the Lord and entreated him to remedy this great evil. I felt that I would have laid down a thousand lives to save a single one of all the souls that were being lost there. And seeing that I was a woman and a sinner and incapable of doing all I should like in the Lord's service, and as my whole yearning was and still is that as he has so many enemies and so few friends. These last should be trusty ones. I determined to do the little that was in me, namely, to follow the evangelical counsels as perfectly as I could, and to see that these few nuns who are here should do the same, confiding in the great goodness of God, who never fails to help those who resolve to forsake everything for his sake as they are all that I have ever painted them as being in my desires, I hope that their virtues would more than counteract my defects, and I should thus be able to give the Lord some pleasure, and all of us, by busying ourselves in prayer for those who are defenders of the Church, and for the preachers and learned men who defend her, should do everything we could to aid this Lord of mine who is so much oppressed by those to whom he has shown so much good that it seems as though these traitors would send him to the cross again, and that he would have nowhere to lay his head. Oh, my Redeemer, my heart cannot conceive this without being sorely distressed. 
What has become of Christians now? Must those who owe thee most always be those who distress thee? Those to whom thou dost the greatest kindness, whom thou dost choose for thy friends, among whom thou dost move, communicating thyself to them through the sacraments. Do they not think, Lord of my soul, that they have made thee endure more than sufficient torments? It is certain, my Lord, that these days' withdrawal from the world means no sacrifice at all. Since worldly people have so little respect for thee, what can we expect them to have for us? Can it be that we deserve that they should treat us any better than they have treated thee? Have we done more than thou hast done, that they should be friendly to us? What then? What can we expect? We, who, through the goodness of the Lord, are free from the pestilence infection, and do not, like others, belong to the devil. They have won severe punishment at his hands, and their pleasures have richly earned them eternal fire. So, to the eternal fire they will go. Though, nonetheless, it breaks my heart to see so many souls traveling to perdition. I would the evil were not so great, and I did not see more being lost every day. Oh, my sisters in Christ, help me, help me to entreat this of the Lord, who has brought you together here for that very purpose. This is your vocation. This must be your business. These must be your desires. These your tears. These your petitions. Let us not pray for worldly things, my sisters. It makes me laugh, and yet it makes me sad when I hear of the things which people come to beg us to pray to God for. We are to ask His Majesty to give them money and to provide them with incomes. I wish that some of these people would entreat God to enable them to tramp all such things under their feet. Their intentions are quite good, and I do as they ask because I see that they are really devout people, though I do not myself believe that God ever hears me when I pray for such things. The world is on fire. Men try to condemn Christ once again, as it were, for they bring a thousand false witnesses against him. They would raise his church to the ground. And are we to waste our time upon such things, which, if God were to grant them, would perhaps bring one soul less to heaven? No, my sisters, this is no time to treat with God for things of little importance. Were it not necessary to consider human frailty, which finds satisfaction in every kind of help. And it is always a good thing if we can try to be of any help to people. I should like it to be understood that it is not for things like these that God should be importuned with such anxiety. Chapter 2 Do not think, my sisters, that because you do not go about trying to please people in the world, you will lack food. You will not. I assure you. Never try to sustain yourselves by human artifices, or you will die of hunger, and rightly so. 
keep your eyes fixed upon your spouse. It is for him to sustain you. And if he is pleased with you, even those who like you least will give you food, if unwillingly, as you have found by experience. If you should do as I say, and yet die of hunger, then happy are the nuns of St. Joseph's. For the love of the Lord, let us not forget this. You have forgone a regular income. Forgo worry about food as well, or thou will lose everything. Let those whom the Lord wishes to live on an income do so. If that is their vocation, they are perfectly justified. But for us to do so, sisters, would be inconsistent. Worrying about getting money from other people seems to me like thinking about what other people enjoy. However much you worry, you will not make them change their minds, nor will they become more desirous of giving you alms. Leave these anxieties to him who can move everyone, who is the Lord of all money and of all who possess money. It is by his command that we have come here and his words are true. They cannot fail. Heaven and earth will fail first. Let us not fail him. Let us not fear that he will fail us. If he should ever do so, it will be for our greater good. Just as the saints failed to keep their lives when they were slain for the Lord's sake, and their bliss was increased through their martyrdom. We should be making a good exchange if we could have done with this life quickly and enjoy everlasting satiety. Remember, sisters, that this will be important when I am dead, and that is why I am leaving it to you in writing. For with God's help, as long as I live, I will remind you of it myself, as I know by experience what a great help it will be to you. It is when I possess least that I have the fewest worries. And the Lord knows that, as far as I can tell, I am more afflicted when there is excess of anything than when there is a lack of it. I am not sure if that is the Lord's doing, but I have noticed that he provides for us immediately. To act otherwise would be to deceive the world by pretending to be poor when we are not poor in spirit, but only outwardly. My conscience would give me a bad time. It seems to me it would be like stealing what was being given us, as one might say, for I should feel as if we were rich people asking alms. Please, God, this may never be so. Those who worry too much about the alms that they are likely to be given will find that sooner or later this bad habit will lead them to go and ask for something which they do not need, and perhaps from someone who needs it more than they do. Such a person would gain rather than lose by giving it to us, but we should certainly be the worse off for having it. God forbid this should ever happen, my daughters. If it were likely to do so, I should prefer you to have a regular income. I beg you, for the love of God, just as if I were begging alms for you, never to allow this to occupy your thoughts. If the very least of you ever hears of such a thing happening in this house, cry out about it to His Majesty 
and speak to your superior. Tell her humbly that she's doing wrong. This is so serious a matter that it may cause true poverty gradually to disappear. I hope in the Lord that this will not be so, and that he will not forsake his servants. And for that reason, if no other, what you have told me to write may be useful to you as a reminder. My daughters must believe that it is for their own good that the Lord has enabled me to realize in some small degree what blessings are to be found in holy poverty. Those of them who practice it will also realize this, though perhaps not as clearly as I do. For although I had professed poverty, I was not only without poverty of spirit, but my spirit was devoid of all restraint. Poverty is good and contains within itself all good things in the world. It is a great domain. I mean that he who cares nothing for the good things of the world has dominion over them. What do kings and lords matter to me if I have no desire to possess their money or to please them, if by doing so I should cause the least displeasure of God? And what do their honors mean to me if I have realized that the chief honor of a poor man consists in his being truly poor? For my own part, I believe that honor and money nearly always go together, and that he who desires honor never hates money, while he who hates money cares little for honor. Understand this clearly, for I think this concern about honor always implies some slight regard for endowments or money. Seldom or never is a poor man honored by the world. However worthy of honor he may be, he is apt rather to be despised by it. With true poverty, there goes a different kind of honor to which nobody can take objection. I mean that if poverty is embraced for God's sake alone, no one has to be pleased save God. It is certain that a man who has no need of anyone has many friends. In my own experience, I have found this to be very true. A great deal has been written about this virtue, which I should only be making things worse if I were to eulogize it. So I will say no more about it now. I have only spoken of what I myself have experienced, and I confess that I have been so much absorbed that until now I have hardly realized what I have been writing. However, it has been said now, Our arms are holy poverty which was so greatly esteemed and so strictly observed by our Holy Fathers at the beginning of the foundation of our order. Someone who knows about this tells me that they never kept anything from one day to the next. For the love of the Lord, then, I beg you, now that the rule of poverty is less perfectly observed as regards outward things, let us strive to observe it inwardly. Our life lasts only for a couple of hours. Our reward is boundless. And if there were no reward but to follow the counsels given us by the Lord to imitate His majesty in any degree would bring us great recompense. These arms must appear on our banners, and at all costs we must keep this rule. As regards our house, our clothes, our speech, and, which is much more important, our thoughts, so long as this is done, 
There need be no fear, with the help of God, that religious observances in this house will decline. For, as St. Clair said, the walls of poverty are very strong. It was with these walls, she said, with those of humility, that she wished to surround her convents. And assuredly, if the rule of poverty is truly kept, both chastity and all other virtues are fortified much better than most of the sumptuous edifices. Have a care to do this, for the love of God, and this I beg of you by his blood. If I may say what my conscience bids me, I should wish that on the day when you build such edifices, they may fall down and kill you all. It seems very wrong, my daughters, that great houses should be built with the money of the poor. May God forbid that this should be done. Let our houses be small and poor in every way. Let us, to some extent, resemble our king, who had no house such the porch in Bethlehem where he was born and the cross on which he died. These were his houses, These were houses where little comfort could be found. Those who erect large houses will no doubt have good reasons for doing so. I do not utterly condemn them. They are moved by various holy intentions. But any corner is sufficient for 13 poor women. If ground should be thought necessary on account of the strictness of the enclosure and also as an aid to prayer and devotion, And because our miserable nature needs such things, well, and good. And let there be a few hermitages in them in which the sisters may go to pray. But, for as a large ornate convent with a lot of buildings, God preserve us from that. Always remember that these things will all fall down on the day of judgment, and who knows how soon that will be. It would hardly look well if the house of 13 poor women made a great noise when it fell, for those who are really poor must make no noise. Unless they live a noiseless life, people will never take pity on them. And how happy my sisters will be if they see someone freed from hell by means of the alms in which he has given them. And this is quite possible since they are strictly bound to offer continual prayer for persons who give them food. It is also God's will that although the food comes from him, we should thank the persons by whose means he gives it to us. Let there be no neglect of this. I do not remember what I had begun to say, for I have strayed from my subject, but I think this must have been the Lord's will for I never intended to write what I have said here. May his majesty always keep us in his hand, so that we may never fall. Amen.